Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. And good evening. Welcome into the Toasted Tavern. I am Wags, joined alongside by Scott Tobin. And right off the bat, right off the bat, we do have to apologize that we really almost screwed up the St. Louis sports weekend. We did our show on Friday before the Blues game got underway. They got blown out. The Cardinals lost Saturday and Sunday, and we went into the game yesterday for the Blues going, oh, crap. We came on, and St. Louis sports went down the tube. Well, thankfully, the Blues salvaged that with the win yesterday against Minnesota. But, Scott, uh, we decided to do this on a uh, St. Louis sports off day, so just just trying to get rid of the demons of what we did to the Cardinals and Blues this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The, can't blame us if they lose the next couple of days. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't put that jinx on them going forward this week. But yeah, that was big for the Blues to kind of break that last night and have a big game yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. That'll be the second half of what we got going on today because uh, it was a very, very big game and uh, another big game coming up tomorrow night uh, in Minnesota. But we're going to start off with the uh, the Cardinals who were flying high uh, going into the weekend. They had won four straight. Uh, they were playing the Giants, had beaten them two games in the, the first two games of their four-game series, and were looking like they were getting things put together offensively, pitching-wise. Everything was kind of flowing. And then Saturday happened, and it, it all really kind of fluctuated out of Steven Matz's start. And I, I, I want to not pile on Steven Matz at this point because, you know, he had just come off the bereavement list. Um, he'd just gotten back from spending time with his family after losing a loved one. So I, I really can't sit there and say that this is 100% on Steven Matz, even though he did give up eight runs in two innings. Um, it wasn't a good start for him, and it kind of put the Cardinals behind the eight ball. Uh, in a game they scored seven runs in and really fought to get back into that game before the bullpen kind of blows it late. But you know, what what uh, what did you see on Saturday in that game outside of Steven Matz not getting out of the second? Yeah, you know, it's just tough, like you said, when your starting pitcher comes out and has a rough game like that. You know, he gave up four in the first, gave up four in the second. You know, grand slam in the first, two two run homers in the second. That makes it that makes it tough to uh really get any momentum going on. Like you said, the Cardinals did a nice job of fighting back in that one. And, you know, like you said, Matt's coming off the bereavement list. You know, a lot of people were piling on, oh, he's had two or three bad games. But you got to look at the fact that Matt's had thrown 16 solid shutout innings going into that game, you know, and, you know, coming off of, you know, dealing with the death in the family or whatever. He just wasn't sharp on Saturday. And uh, when he did have to throw a strike, the Giants were ready to pounce on him. And uh, you saw what happened. But Cardinals did, did a nice job of fighting back. You saw the bottom of their lineup really hit well in that game. Bader had a really good game. Paul DeYoung had a really good game. You know, a couple of hits, a couple of RBIs looked good at the plate. Yachty had a couple of hits. Got his 1,000th RBI in that one. So, you know, it, they did a nice job. They tried to fight back. Unfortunately, you know, the bullpen just couldn't hold it at eight. You know, it seemed like every time the Cardinals tried to make a little bit of a comeback, the Giants would answer. So it was just one of those games kind of disappointing that they couldn't pull that one off. And then you went into yesterday thinking, okay, you know, let's take three out of four. And kind of the same thing. Dakota gave up a two-run homer early. You know, you tried to battle back in that one. You did battle back and tie it, and then you tie it in the sixth, and then you know your bullpen gives up a home run in, in the bottom of the sixth inning, and they're up three to two. And you know, Cardinals just couldn't bounce back after that. So, 
you know, you split with the Giants, which is good. You know, you've played you've played three pretty good teams so far this year when you look at it. You played the Brewers on the road. You played the Giants on the road. You split with both of them. So going four and four in those series isn't bad. And then, you know, you lost two out of three to the Mets, although you should have won two out of three in that series as the as the one game, you know, that Cardinals kind of fell apart in the ninth inning with Arenado making the air and then and then you had uh, the bullpen kind of fall apart too, forget to cover first base on what should have been third out to Goldie. So, I mean, you should have a winning record against those good teams. You don't right now. You're under 500 by a game, and, you know, you just got to go forward. And you've got a winnable series against the Orioles coming up starting tomorrow night, you know, three-game series. You need to really sweep that series because you have three with the Orioles and three with the Pirates the rest of the month, and then you've kind of got a brutal rest of May because you've got the Giants this weekend, then you've got the Mets again. Then you've got the Padres and the Brewers coming as well. So you really need to take advantage of this series with Baltimore. You really, really do. And, you know, to kind of get back on uh, on the pitching side of things, you know, Cody Whitley had looked pretty good so far this year. Walked four in that game on Saturday, gave up the three earned runs, uh, which at that point it was a, a nine to seven Giants lead. Dylan Carlson had just hit that three run home run to pull the Cardinals to within two. And like you said, they had, they'd been battling back that entire game and then to basically get that close and then have the bullpen kind of get it back out of reach. It was a little bit of a letdown. And then you saw, like you said, the same thing yesterday. They fight back to tie that game up uh, in uh, on Sunday. And then Cabrera comes in, gives up the solo shot to Yastrzemski. And then once again, the offense just after pushing, 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 could not find another way to get that run across. And, you know, it, it also doesn't help. You talked about the bottom of the lineup, you know, hitting well in those two games. The fact that Edmund and Arenado were combined 0 for 10 yesterday with three strikeouts, that doesn't do you any favors. And, you know, Edmund and Arenado have been probably the best parts of this Cardinals offense early on in the year. And they were bound to have a game or two where they where they didn't hit. And you do need the rest of your lineup to kind of pick up around it. And some guys did. You know, Juan Yepes hit his first career home run yesterday on Mother's Day after telling his mother he was going to hit a home run on Mother's Day, which was a really, really cool thing to see. Uh, but you know, when, when you can't get anything else kind of connected around that, despite ha- guys having good games, uh, that, that's kind of been the, the MO for the Cardinals offense this year. It's it's boom or bust a lot of times. And we talked about this on Friday. You know, you, you've got a, games where they win 10 nothing, but then they lose a game one nothing, or they lose a game 2-1 to one because their offense can't seem to put things together. And it's still early in the season. You talked about it on Friday, just a really short and odd spring training because of everything going on with the strike and, and the labor issues and all of that. So, you know, we can't necessarily get too hung up on the, the the highs and lows right now because teams are still trying to find out what they're going to have going forward. But you are 100% correct. Uh, after this series against Baltimore, they have better figure some stuff out. They, they need to know exactly who's going to be playing where. And, you know, that may be, you know, finding a spot for Paul DeYoung to not play in a game if, if that's the case, or maybe making a couple of more lineup changes, which I think for the most part, Ali Momoa's done a really good job with this lineup, putting guys in the right position and the right opportunities to succeed outside of Paul DeYoung. And, and once again, it's not totally on Paul DeYoung. You, you said it yourself. He's looked good as far as his swing is concerned. There's just something that is off that's not allowing him to connect at this point in time. And Dylan Carlson got a break a couple days ago when Yepes came up. And since then, he has started to hit a little bit more consistently. Maybe it's a time for Paul DeYoung to have a game or two off 
and allow him and because of Sosa being out with COVID, you haven't been able to do that. And is Sosa much of an upgrade? That's a whole nother story. But DeYoung needs a chance to kind of reset. And whether that's a couple games or I don't even know if he's got the ability to be sent back down at all to go down and, and play at Memphis for a couple of games. But it, it, we need to see what what we can do to you know reignite him or else we got to figure out what, what's going on with Nolan Gorman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely need some more production out of Paulie. Like you said, he, he did have a good game on Saturday, you know, which he thought, oh, there it is. You know, you saw him hit a couple of line drives, you know, looked pretty good, drove home a couple of runs. And then he struggled again yesterday. So, you know, I thought I've wondered that a couple of times. I wonder if you could send him down. You know, I, he should have options left, I believe. Um, I wonder if you could send him down for a week or 10 days and just have him go down to the minors and see if he could find this stroke a little bit and then come back up. But, uh, you know, it's hard to do that with guys, you know, especially when they're kind of veterans at this point and they're making money and, you know, teams are hesitant to do that a lot of times. But you definitely have to figure that out. And, you know, you just need guys to be more consistent. You know, the problem the Cardinals are running into right now is they're making good contact. They're not striking out, but they're not really hitting for a lot of power. You've seen a lot of singles out of this team. You know, they out hit the Giants on Saturday. You know, they were, you know, they have had, I think, 11 singles before they had an extra base hit in that game. And we've seen that a couple of times with this team where they've had games where they've had 14 or 15 hits and they've all been singles. You know, so there's not been a whole lot of extra base power. They did end up getting a couple of doubles and then Carlson hit a home run late in that game the other night. But, you know, they're not getting a lot of extra base hits. There's a lot of singles on this ball club right now. So, you know, that's something they've got to try to figure out, too, is to start driving the ball in the gaps, getting more extra base hits. You know, that'll help this offense pick up as well. The one thing about that, though, is they are a very good base running team. So even when they are hitting singles, they are stretching it from, you know, first to third and things of that nature. So, yes, having more extra base hits will, you know, get the ball rolling per se and allow you to score more runs. But they have done a really good job of, base running, make, taking that extra base, getting the stolen base to put themselves in scoring position to score on a single. So, yeah, it's it's not like it's a detriment that they're hitting singles a lot more than they're hitting extra bases, but you do need to start being able to show that power because you're going to need to be able to knock in doubles and, and maybe some triples to bring in multiple runs at, at a time instead of relying on station to station or first to thirds and things of that nature because – you're starting to go up against teams that can really mash the ball. And you saw that with the Giants a bit this weekend. You know, Wilmer Flores had the had the grand slam. They hit a couple of home runs in, in that series. And it's not going to say it's it's difficult to hit home runs in San Francisco, but it is one of the harder places to hit a home run at. And for the Cardinals to to not have hit as many home runs as they did, I mean, Carlson had his first home run of the year on Saturday. Harrison Bader hit his first home run of the of the year last weekend. They're not hitting a ton of home runs at this point in time, and it is a little bit worrisome. The weather hasn't been all that great. Obviously, starting today, it's going to be hot, 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 and we've seen guys like you know Paul Goldschmidt really thrive in that hot kind of environment. So having Baltimore come in at this point in time with the weather changing the way it is, this might be that time to, in a sense, jumpstart the offense, and and hopefully you see that here starting tomorrow night against the Orioles. Yeah, you really, you really hope so. You know, it's going to be interesting to see because we've seen, you know, used to be you'd say, oh, hot weather in St. Louis, the ball start flying out of Bush Stadium, but we've seen the last couple of years, and you know, some people laugh when you say this, but since they've put in the new buildings at Ballpark Village, and especially the tower at Ballpark Village. 
the wind shares have shifted in that ballpark, and the ball just does not carry, even when it's hot like it used to. I mean, even at the old stadium, you know, as hard as it was to hit the ball out of the ballpark at Bush Stadium too, when it got hot, the ball flew out of that ballpark. Since they since they built the ballpark village and the buildings around, it has created a difference. You know, there's a wind in that ballpark almost constantly now. And the ball just does not carry for whatever reason. You know, you can say it's because of the construction and, and the different buildings or whatever. But there's definitely something in the last three or four years that has caused a shift. And, you know, it's one of the hardest ballparks in baseball to hit the ball, ball, hit the ball out of the ballpark now. And because you work down there, you get to experience that on a on a game-by-game game basis. You can tell the way that the wind is coming in and the way it's blowing and, and all of that stuff. So it's not like it's just coming out of left field, no pun intended, that the wind is different. You've been there for the last couple of years, so you've kind of seen that evolution and that change a little bit. And is that something that you know the, the Cardinals – as an organization are going to have to really look at, I mean, is it, is it about changing dimensions at the stadium? Is it implementing other measures or is that even something that's even maybe even being discussed? Oh, it's being discussed. I mean, they've done studies. They were, they contemplated bringing the fences in, you know, they really did. And then they decided, well, the way this ballpark is built with their pitching staff, you know, does that hurt them worse if they bring the fences in? You know, and so they decided against doing that right now because they thought, well, you know, with our pitching, you know, we play pitching and defense and, you know, we score runs when we can and we build our team that way. So, but yeah, they definitely have looked at it and they've considered bringing the fences in, but they decided against it. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to be something to bear watching as well. So uh, Cardinals hosting Baltimore beginning tomorrow night. Now it was a scheduled start for Adam Wainwright. Obviously he went on the COVID IL last week. Um Right now, we have not gotten any update as far as, you know, if he's going to be able to start tomorrow. Obviously, the day after the uh, announcement came that he was going on the COVID IL, he came out and said, hey, I'm 100% fine. I really just need to get two negative tests before I can pitch again. But since that point in time, we haven't really heard anything as far as if he has tested negative in consecutive tests. Um, We reached out to him tonight to see if uh, we could get any sort of – reaction but you know obviously it's you know harder and harder for us to get contact with the cardinals but you know we thought we'd give it a shot but have you heard anything as far as uh, if wainwright's going to pitch tomorrow night and if he doesn't who is going to get the start i have not heard uh you know there was some talk that maybe matthew Libertor would get called up or johan alviedo although both of them it wouldn't be there's time you know they need an extra day so i would imagine it would probably be jake woodford if wainwright is not able to pitch tomorrow and then you just push Wayno back a day or two. Oh, well, that'd be, you know, okay, because Woodford hasn't gotten a whole lot of action this year. Uh, so it'd be nice to see him maybe go out there and get a start. He spot started a couple times last year, looked pretty good. He's looked decent this year as well. So uh, we'll see how that goes right now. It is a TBD as far as the starting pitcher for tomorrow. We'll help maybe to wake up tomorrow to some good news that Wainwright is going to pitch. But uh, until then, we're just going to have to kind of cross our fingers and, and hope for the best. Obviously, once again, he's he's feeling okay. It's not like he's having symptoms. So we'll see what that uh, that all pans out to tomorrow and see what that's all about. All right, let's switch over to the Blues. As Guy Bensing, the Hawaii Blues fan, checks in. Hey, Guy, how are you doing? Hope things are going well for you. I hope you're still uh, coming down off that high from last night's victory between uh, the Blues and the Wild. Uh, that was a, an intense game. I got a chance to go to the game yesterday. We've got uh, we got playoff tickets. We sold our ones for Friday because you know we had to go see Doctor Strange, which was okay. We'll get into that later if we got some time. Uh, but we were able to go to yesterday's game. Just an absolutely electric atmosphere. Jordan Bennington got the start, 
And he was roundly applauded, which I turned to my brother when all this was going on. And I go, so all these fans that are standing, cheering, making a hoopla about Jordan Bennington, these aren't the same ones that were, you know, you know, bitching about him a, a little while ago, right? These are the these are the ones that were backing him all the time, right? Right? Uh, regardless, he got a great ovation. Uh, the fans were behind him for sure. The fans were behind the team, despite them being down two games to one. And and honestly, he looked like the Bennington of 2019. He stopped 27 uh, wild shots, did got a couple of goals, but. He did make a couple of game-saving stops, especially one on uh, Kaprizov uh, in that uh, in that game. Uh, I think it was the third period, second period, third period. I apologize. Second period. I apologize. Second period. He made that that post-to-post save on Kaprizov, and this is the thing that that kind of I was I knew, but I didn't know at the same time. That win yesterday from Jordan Bennington was his first playoff victory since the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals in Game Seven. Blues have been swept in the last two playoffs. And I think maybe we all just were trying to put that out of our minds. But that was. That was his first win since 2019. That was incredible. Yeah, it really was. He came out and really played well. Like you said, he looked like the Bennington of 2019. And, yeah, I guess what it was nine games counting the two play-in games, you know, during the bubble that he lost in a row postseason-wise. So, you know, it, it, it was a huge game for him, a, a huge boost for the blues you know they really needed him to come out and do that and he got this series back to where he needed it to be at 2-2 and uh yeah fans were excited to see him which was good and like you said it's funny sports fans are funny aren't they people bitch and moan and oh man we don't want to see him don't play him and oh look there's jordan bennington we love bennington again um so asking you now if your chief is a jordan bennington the rest of this series in the net yeah oh yeah 100 percent. you you ride the guy that uh is playing well. And, and that's not to say Billy Huso was playing poorly. He, he was not the beneficiary of good defensive play in front of him. He, uh, he he's been kind of hung out to dry in a sense in the, in those games. So yesterday's start for Bennington wasn't uh, an indictment on Billy Huso and his play at all. It was more so of a, Hey guys, we got to change the mindset of our team and we got to shake things up a little, a little bit. And, you know, when you can say you can go to your Stanley Cup winning goaltender who stole a bunch of games in 2019, that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good way to to make a change and uh, it it helped for sure. Now I'll say this: the defense is continuing to take hits for sure. I mean, obviously Tory Krug was injured in Game Three; he's going to be out for a, uh, an extended period of time. Marco Scandella started yesterday's game, left after about his third shift. Uh, a re-aggravation of his injury, so he was out. Uh, the Blues dressed seven defensemen on Sunday, and I don't think it was the mindset of "oh, we expect to lose the defensemen in this game." It was more so of "hey, we gotta make sure that we protect who we have out there" because they were playing guys like you know Stantini, who had very rarely played in the playoffs. Callie Rosen was in his third playoff start. Scott Perunovich was in his first game action since January fifteenth. So I think it was more a matter of "hey, we've got a bunch of guys that we want to see and can make a difference." They weren't expecting a guy to go out with injury, but it ended up playing out that way. And, you know, listening to the to the post game on the way home from the game yesterday, not only that, not only the Scandella injury, but Santini only played three minutes and eight seconds. So essentially you were playing the game mostly with five defensemen. You dressed seven, you played with five, and you played a forward down. And yet they still found a way to essentially dominate that, that game. I mean, they, they held Minnesota 
to something of to like five or six shots in the first period. Yes, it was a one-one game after one, but they came out there on a mission, and it's it's the exact opposite of the team we saw on Friday. On Friday, they came out and they wanted to hit, 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 and not play hockey. On Sunday, they came out and they were calculated. This is exactly the team that you wanted to see at the start of this playoff, and that's what you saw in Game One as well. And if they can start getting some of these defensive guys healthy again, which it sounds like Nick Letty and Robert Bortuzzo are likely to play tomorrow night against Minnesota, not confirmed, but likely you get those two guys back. And with the additions that you've seen the last couple of games, plus the play that they had yesterday, I I am very, very confident that this team can win the first round series. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Getting Bortuzzo and Letty back would be huge because some of the stuff I was hearing today, a lot of people are saying they don't think you're going to see Tory Krug again in the playoffs that he's done. So that, that that's a big loss. But if you can get those other two guys back, that would be huge. Well, and Scott Perunovich checking back into the lineup is essentially a, a Tory Krug-esque type of player. Uh, very, he's a smaller defenseman, obviously, but he's a guy who can quarterback the power play, which we saw him do yesterday. He picked up an assist in the game. Uh, he's a guy that is, is okay defensively. He's not a standout defensive defenseman but he does enough the right way. He did have a pinch yesterday that led to a two-on-one that Bennington turned aside. But, you know, at least you have a guy like Perunovic, if he can stay up and play, because he was recalled under emergency conditions, I believe. So the, the fact that, you know, Scandella and Krug are out now, you might be able to you know keep him up there and, and put him into the lineup. Uh, at least you've got – it's not a one-for-one, one, but it's a very, very close one-for-one. One. And then you add Letty and Bortuzzo back into that. You have the grid of Bortuzzo. You've got Letty who can pair up with Pareko and slot people down. So, yeah, it definitely – the confidence level is is rising a little bit as we get a little bit deeper into this. And now the fact that Jordan Cairo is kind of back to where he was at the start of the season. The offense is kind of rolling just a little bit. Uh, Cairo had two goals yesterday. That second one, I don't know if you got a chance to see that goal. Uh, wow, oh, wow, that was a highlight real goal. Yeah, I saw the highlights. That was pretty awesome. That was definitely cool. It, it was incredible. Now, he did have a couple more opportunities to finish off the hat trick, but turned into a bit of a playmaker for his teammates. You know, I'm not one of those guys that sits in the arena and yells at a guy to shoot. Uh, I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, but there were a couple of times where I literally yelled shoot because I'm like, dude, you're driving down the middle of the rink in front of Flurry. Shoot the puck. And he was trying to dish it off. So there, there's still a little bit of frustration, still a little bit of work to go in his offense. Uh, but this is the thing. The Blues still haven't gotten that Thomas tarasenko Buchnevich line really, really going. They, they do have a goal and five assists so far in this series, but they haven't been able to really cycle the puck like they normally do. And that's a credit to the Wild defensively. Don't get me wrong. They've done a really good job of kind of clamping down on that line. But the nice thing is to see the Blues roll those multiple lines and create offense at different levels is something that you really, really have to be happy with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that'll be key as it's now a three-game series. So as we're tied at 4-4, are you sticking with your Blues in six? Or does the series go to seven now? I'm sticking with the Blues in six. I am because I want to I'm gonna be there Thursday night and I want to see him close it out. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But here's the thing though. They win. They're playing Colorado very likely. And right. this is a Colorado team that's playing very, very well. Obviously, Darcy Kemper, though, out tonight. He got poked in the eye with a stick in uh, game three against Nashville. It sounds like all indications are he's going to be fine. He probably could play tonight if it was an elimination game, but they're just being extra careful, especially with it being an eye injury. 
And Greg Rosinski was on 101 today, and he talked about this Minnesota-St. Louis series and basically said the winner of this series is very likely a team that can beat Colorado because they are built to beat Colorado. Now, obviously, we've seen Colorado. We've seen how we play. We've seen how Minnesota plays. Do you buy that? Do you buy that the winner of this series has a good chance of knocking Colorado out of the playoffs? I think it's going to be tough because Colorado is really good. If the Blues defense is completely healthy, if they get all of those guys back, I think they've got a shot. Um, if you if you don't get Letty back or if you don't get Bartuzo back and Krug is out, then I don't think there's a chance that you win that series. So, I mean, I think if you get two of those three guys back, I think the Blues have a shot. Same thing with Minnesota. I mean, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat Colorado in my mind. I think Colorado is the clear favorite to win the whole thing at this point. But um, I think I think I think if the Blues are healthy, I think they have a shot at it. I think you're 100 percent correct. Now, obviously, there's a lot of mental stuff to get over when it comes to Colorado. They they swept us last year and they've been pretty dominant against us this year. Although I think the Blues played them relatively decent this year a couple games early on in the season when they were a bit healthier. So it is going to be very interesting interesting to see how that does play out if we get to that point. And, yeah, Minnesota the same way. I think I think with Minnesota, it comes down to goaltending. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury can steal you some games. Right. And they have just enough offense that they can make some some things very, very tough and scary for you. And it wouldn't shock me if, if they were to go in. If they, if they win this series, they might have a chance of beating Colorado because – of that goaltending of Flurry and, and even Talbot to an extent. I mean, Talbot, I haven't really seen his record against Colorado or his play against Colorado. We just know Flurry's pedigree. Right. Um, so that would be a fun series to watch too. If the blues do get eliminated to see a, a Minnesota Colorado series, see how that one plays out for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's been fun. You know, we've got a lot of really good series going on right now. Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, Edmonton, LA, all those series are tied at two. So every series that plays on the days the Blues and Wild play on, sits at 2-2. So if that doesn't tell you about the parity of the league right now. I don't know what does. Tonight you got Pittsburgh and New York going at it right now. Pittsburgh leads that series two games to one. Last I checked, it was tied at one, but uh, the Penguins have exploded in the second. It's a 4-1 Pittsburgh lead in the second. Uh, Panthers and Capitals, Washington leads that series two games to one. They are tied 1-1 in the second. And then later on tonight, you've got Nashville and Colorado with Nashville obviously leading that one three to nothing. Dallas and Calgary also tonight. Dallas leading that series two to one. That's a bit of a surprise, I think, is Dallas leading that one two to one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is a surprise. I wasn't expecting Dallas to have the lead in that series. Yeah, especially with the high-powered offense of Calgary, for sure. And then uh, one final note in the NHL. This one kind of came out of uh, nowhere, honestly. I don't know if you got a chance to see this, but the Islanders have fired Barry Trotz. Oh, wow. uh, they missed the playoffs that. for the first time in the four years Trotz was there. Uh, they reached the Eastern Conference Finals twice. They lost to Tampa Bay each time. A bit of a shock. Um, it is Lou Lamorello, so you know he's a guy that will pull things out like this uh, every so often. But that, that that was a big surprise for sure. Yeah, that's a surprise. You know, you can almost you can almost go back and kind of compare that to Mike. Sch the Cardinals getting rid of Mike Schilt. You know, after last season, a coach that's had that much success. You're like, okay, what would what would be the driving force to make you fire a coach like that when you've had that much success in the last few years? Well, it's it's Lou. That that's that's the that's the thing right there. It's just Lou Lamorello. <laughs> that's all it is. There's no explanation except it's Lou. So it's gonna be real interesting to see where Barry Trotz ends up. I think there'll be a couple of teams. I think honestly, there might be a couple of teams that made the playoffs this year that might sit there and go, you know what? 
thank you for what you did, but Barry Trotz is out there. Uh, we're going to upgrade. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at the teams that are in the playoffs right now and who, who in my mind would I look at and go, man, Barry Trotz would fit in very, very well there. Um, uh, I mean, New York would be a, an interesting spot for him uh, with the Rangers staying in New York, obviously. Um, Toronto, Toronto might be an interesting one as well. Uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of their head coach, uh, uh, Keith. Uh, but, you know, there are a couple of playoff teams might might take a look at that. There are also a couple of teams, obviously, that are outside of the playoffs that would kill, honestly, to have a Barry Trotz as their head coach. But, it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure to see where he lands up. Um, all right, man. Uh, I know we were going to just do a quick one tonight because uh, we're both kind of exhausted after uh, a long weekend and, and we're kicking our butts right now. Uh, but real quick, Nikolai Jokic named MVP of uh, in the NBA this year, second straight season that he got that. That's a pretty big accomplishment. A uh, guy that basically had to drag uh, you know Denver into the playoffs. They were right. the sixth seed this year before losing to Golden State. Uh, congratulations to Jokic for sure. It's a, a huge accomplishment for him. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, literally with all the injuries that Denver had this year, he really did drag them and he was, it was pretty much him and that was pretty much it for Denver this year. You know, it's pretty much Jokic and that was it. But uh, yeah, great job by him to uh, win his second MVP in a row. Have you had a chance to watch any of the Memphis Golden State series? I have not, and I mean, the only thing I, I got a chance to catch was I, I watched a little bit of the, of the injury to John Morant, uh, which honestly, I don't know what all the, the big uproar was about. It didn't look like, when I saw when I think of a guy grabbing somebody's knee, I'm thinking grab and yank. This this was not a grab and yank situation. Uh, Morant's going to be out tonight, likely, um, although we said that about uh, Luka Doncic, and he has played every single game of this series for the Mavericks, which, I, I mean... Guts and glory right there for, for Luka Doncic, for sure. Uh, but, no, I have not had a chance to see much of the action. It's been it's been chippy. It's been physical. It's been it's been kind of ugly, honestly. And I think a lot of the talk after the Giants injury was because of the injury that Gary Payton Jr. suffered the other night. You know, and, you know, mid-Memphis going, see, Golden State does it, too. They're dirty, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, that series has been – that series has been physical, and it's been intense. And if you get a chance to watch it, and if you're a fan of – 90s basketball go watch because they're, they're playing a little bit of 90s basketball in this series well you know, i'm gonna have some time tonight so i think i am gonna check it out yeah it's it's been intense man and it's gonna just be even more in the next couple of games after the thing with jai last night and jock coming out and basically saying that it was kind of a dirty play so we'll see how this series wraps up hey i'm a fan of 90s basketball like you like you know i mean we grew up with the bulls in the 90s we grew up with you know patrick ewing and the knicks and the pacers and, and the pistons and all like yeah that that's our our type of basketball for sure uh yeah so that you got that game going on tonight boston milwaukee going on tonight as well uh the bucks leading that series two games to one Giannis 41 points in their game three win gonna be interesting to see if jason tatum can bounce back and and really you know, pull the Celtics back into the series. He's been able to do it a couple of times. Boston has bounced back a couple of different times this postseason. Uh, so that should be a very, very good game as well. So make sure you check that one out. Uh, you got anything else going on this week? I mean, I know you'll be down at, the, at Bush Stadium for the Cardinals and Orioles uh, series. And then uh, you got anything else going on? No, man, I'm just going to be down there for that this week. So that's that's going to keep me busy. I am going to say one thing before we wrap up. This is a sports show, and we love sports, and it's been awesome to be downtown and see sports fans gathering together. I'll tell you what, I was at the Kenny Chesney concert working on Saturday night. To see 40,000 people down there back in a live concert 
was pretty awesome too. Just seeing people together, no masks, you know, everybody singing and dancing and drinking and having a good time and just a big party downtown was, was really cool Saturday night to see that back. And uh, it was a good time, man. I'm not the biggest country fan in the world, but Kenny put on a heck of a show and he definitely engaged the fans and it, it was a lot of fun. Well, and he's such a sports guy too. It just right. it, it's it's a great combination of music and sports with him. He understands, you know, what that's all about. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt. It. I know my parents were down there. I know one of my uh, one of my managers at the store was down there as well. So it brings together people from all different walks of life, and it just makes you feel good. And like you said, it, being able to have forty thousand plus down there, no mask, just enjoying life like it used to be. It uh, just gives us a little bit more hope that we are getting closer and closer to a little bit more of normalcy. Now, there are other things going on that aren't, but whatever we can control in a sense, let, let's let's be happy about that and be respectful of people and, and just enjoy uh, the, the normal things that we used to enjoy as much as we possibly can. Absolutely. So, all right, well, Cards, Orioles, and then the Giants in this weekend for sure. Uh, a fun time down at Bush. Make sure you guys get out there if you can. Blues in Minnesota tomorrow night before coming back home for Game 6 on Thursday. Basketball playoffs in full swing. So much stuff going on in the world of sports. We'll be back with you guys when we get a chance to check back in. Uh, if you get a chance, if you want to listen to some Slyak uh, baseball uh, tournament coverage, uh, we'll have that on PrepCast.com later in the week, Friday and Saturday. You'll have those games going on. I'll get a chance to call some of those as well. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, until uh, we see you guys in the near future, you guys enjoy yourselves. Be safe out there in this hot weather coming up. And uh, you guys have a great night, and we'll see you guys uh, as soon as we possibly can. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.